Hey, folks, I know there are lots of business owners who listen to this show. Maybe some of you never planned on running a business, but now here you are. One thing you've always got to keep in mind is how much you're spending on your operating costs. That's one of the first things we had to keep in mind with WTF. And with things costing more today than they did when we started, you want to keep your expenses down. To reduce costs and headaches, be smart and use NetSuite by Oracle, bringing accounting, financial management, inventory, and HR into one platform and one source of truth. Reduce IT costs, cut the costs of maintaining multiple systems, improve efficiency by bringing all your major business processes into one platform, slashing manual tasks and errors. By popular demand, NetSuite has extended its one-of-a-kind flexible financing program for a few more weeks. Head to netsuite.com slash WTF for more. That's netsuite, N-E-T-S-U-I-T-E dot com slash WTF. All right, let's do this. How are you, what the fuckers? What the fuck, buddies? What the fucking ears? What the fucksters? What's happening? I'm Mark Marin. This is WTF. This is my podcast. Very exciting day today. You want me to tell you why? I will tell you why. Maybe you don't know this about me, but um, today is uh, Anne Hathaway Day. Anne Hathaway was in my garage. Also, I don't want to give short shrift to anybody. But Amy Mann stopped by and played a new song from her new album, also today, coming up shortly, delivered into your head. But uh, for those of you who have been with me pre-WTF, back to the break room live days, somewhere in the 2007-2008 area when my life was falling apart, um, I was working in New York and I was... A shattered emotional mess doing this streaming video show that no one watched, except for those of you who who knew the show. How you doing? You've 1,724 people. But at some point, I I saw Rachel getting married. And that's a, a Jonathan Demme film, I believe, yes, starring Anne Hathaway. And... I was so taken with her performance and with her that that I developed a uh, a kind of all right maybe maybe it was a little bit of an obsession I I'll admit it was a while ago I think I can admit that I I will tell her about it I will be straight with it uh, but uh, from that point on I just loved her I loved her work I loved her and it became sort of a running theme on that show for the the idea of her maybe stopping by to do an interview on Break Room Live at the old Air America Studios on 6th Avenue that nobody watched, could not have been on her radar at all. But I insisted that there was an outside chance that it was. Now, I don't know really what's going on out there in the world around this particular movie star and actress, uh, Anne Hathaway, but uh, I love her and I'm, <laughs> and I'm a huge fan. And uh, I, I believe she works hard and she does amazing work always. And I, and I also believe that if you don't like her, especially with some sort of uh, strange intensity, uh, it says more about you. There's something wrong with you. Look within. I, I guess I'm just telling you this because uh, I was excited to, to have her here and that might read a bit. I'm not one for hiding the... Uh, fanboyness on occasion 
Uh, but it was uh, it was great to uh, meet her and talk to her. And the new movie, Colossal, is an interesting movie. I had to rethink the whole thing. I watched it once, and then I had to go back and think about it more. I, I'll tell her. I don't need to tell you. Um, and as I said, Amy Mann is here, who... The song she plays is fucking excellent. I, I personally believe that her new re- her new record, uh, Mental Illness, is her best record. Uh, you know what? I'll tell her that, too. I'm going to tell her that. That's what I'm going to do. So I just got back from uh, Denver and Boulder. Me and uh, the American original, that is Dean Del Rey, uh, did a couple shows there. I like traveling with Dean because uh, we like to do the same things. We enjoy eating food. Now we're both relatively healthy, but his is he's different. He's got the, uh, you know, I, I was almost a diabetic, no sugar, no starch thing. And I've got the uh, no meat thing because I have high cholesterol. But, but you know, we're in the same ballpark. We both like vinyl. And, you know, we will go look at clothing. We will go look at jeans, uh, shirts, jackets, and bags. So, as I said, the, the crowds were great. And maybe I didn't say that, but I'm saying it now. See, I'm, I, I'm actually a little filled with a, a tingly nervousness just to introduce uh, the Anne Hathaway show. It's fucking ridiculous. I'm a grown-ass man. Okay. And don't get any fucked up ideas. I am in a a healthy relationship with a wonderful woman who paints and she is married to a nice man and they have a baby. This is just, this is um, kind of residual uh, remnants of, of, uh, of, uh, of, all right, all right, as a crush. Okay, said it. All right. So let me talk about this because this is, Sad news. Um, last week, we lost a, a couple of comedians. And one, there, it's, it's always tragic when, when people die. But one was, was just starting to come into her own. And, and you know, I, it, it was just, it was really shocking to me and, and jarring. Because when I was in Austin, this is what, a week ago or so, on April 1st, I worked with this woman. Uh, her name uh, was, sadly, LaShonda Lester. And I did not know her. I was uh, sent a few uh, videos of people in the Austin area. I looked at like four or five different comics. And I, without a doubt, uh, after seeing her like eight minutes set, I was like, that's her. She's authentic. She's real. She's got her own voice. She's talking about her life. She's hilarious. And I booked her for that show, and I met her on August, on April 1st for the first time. She's a lovely person, a uh, sweet person, but, you know, just deep, you know. And she gets up there, and she talked about her life, and she had health issues, and she talked about them on stage. And uh, I had the same feeling when I when I watched her live as I did when I saw her on that video, that, that you know, just a, just a great comic, you know, an honest comic uh, and, and, and authentic. And that's really the best kind. And it's a great loss to the, uh, to the comic community. Uh, it would have been great to see what she could have done with herself. She was getting ready to do a Comedy Central special and um, just fucking sad. And, and uh, you know, uh, my heart goes out to, to her family and, and the Austin comedy community because she was something else. And it's really sad. And it was really shocking. And, and also uh, tragic, but, but 91 is not a bad age. To die at, if I can, if you, that's a, that's a good run. Uh, Don Rickles is dead. He was old. 
He was great. Uh, he had a long, amazing career, a rich life. And and he was, I never got to talk to him, but I tried. But he was really one, he was really one of the funniest people ever. He was one of the guys that, that planted the seed in my brain that I think ultimately led me to become a comic, quite honestly. Because I remember watching him. When I was a kid, I remember watching him on, the, it was like an hour special when they used to do those, like variety shows, but it was an hour special. And I remember these weird lines. Like, I think the gig, the, the, the gimmick was he was on stage, and he was talking to someone in the audience, which was all, also him, dressed like a schnook. And I remember the, the line was, um, nice suit, did that come with two pairs of pants and a yo-yo? And, and I don't know why I remember that, but it's, it's hilarious. I mean, it doesn't even make sense, really. He, he just had this amazing timing. And, and that intensity, he had this intensity that was like barely hiding this rage. And of course, to me and to everybody who loved him, that, that made him very endearing. I mean, I used, to, I used to love watching him on the Dean Martin roasts. He was so fucking funny. So fucking funny. There's one line I remember where they're on the dais and uh, you know Don's, I don't know if he's at the podium or just further down the dais and Jimmy Stewart at that point is old, the older man. And Don leans over and looks down and Jimmy goes, Jimmy, I spoke to the family. You're doing fine. I just loved the guy. And it's sad. But he did live a good long, a good long life. And I gotta I gotta be honest with you. You know, to dismiss Don Rickles as being insensitive or incorrect somehow is a is a a real, real failure to contextualize him properly. And if you think that you're a fucking hockey puck, he was one of the best, if not the best of his generation. I loved him. And uh, I'm very sorry I never got to talk to him. We tried a bit. We tried. Amy Mann and I go way back. I've been a fan. I've uh, I've been a friend at different points uh, in our lives. I have not seen her in a long time. I was thrilled to have her on the show and catch up. And uh, when I got a copy of the new album, I was like, holy shit, this is fucking amazing. She better bring her goddamn guitar. And she did. This is me and Amy Mann, uh, and she's doing a song from her new album called Mental Illness that's available now wherever you get your music. Sometimes I wish I paid more attention in school, or in some cases, any attention at all. There are probably a lot of things I could have gotten more out of, like literature, and now it's probably not in the cards to go back to school and study the classics. But luckily for us, there's a new podcast called The Foxed Page that dives deep into the best books of all time. This is basically like the best possible college English class, but more relaxed and fun. No pressure of grades or needing to prepare something to say in class. It's only the books you want to read and know about presented by best-selling author Kimberly Ford. Everything from Cormac McCarthy to Madame Bovary, from classics like Frankenstein to modern hits like Lessons in Chemistry. I love Ireland, but I missed the boat on James Joyce. The Fox Page has a three-part series on Dubliners, and that's a pretty great starting point. Want to get the most out of what you read? The Fox Page is for you. Get it now wherever you get your podcasts. Stuff. Amy Mann. I don't think what I what have you been avoiding me? <laughs> Did you, I well, mean, have you been wandering around and I 
I don't know. We don't, I we don't go. We don't. First of all, we're not in the same circles because there there are no circles. What are the circles? I don't. There's not any anymore. There's no circles. There there yeah. was uh, there was some circles for a while, and then some concentric circles, and then the center <laughs> broke apart, yeah. and then everybody kind of went their way and right. had kids and got jobs or something. Yeah. I don't know. There was a time where people hung out. Maybe these people still do. I'm not one of them. They, there has to be a place to hang out and. Exactly. It used to be your the, the backyard. old Largo, which was a long time. Our, <laughs> yeah. our backyard. That's yeah. right. Yeah. You still there? In the backyard? No, in the house. <laughs> in that house? Yeah, the backyard looks great. Does it? Yeah, you should come over. We we totally redid it. It looks fantastic. All right, maybe I'll, I'll come over in the summer. Yeah. And, and now that I'm old, it'll be less awkward. And make the steak tips. Sure. Oh, my God, they were so good. Do, do whatever. You're, I'll do whatever. I'll, it'd be nice to socialize. Are you a hermit now? I don't know if I'm a hermit. I just don't know where people have time to do everything. I mean, I don't know where when people say, did you watch all 90 of those things? I'm like, where the fuck I know, did where you? do you get the time? Well, how did, I know. And, I'm, and I'm self-employed, but I still don't have any time. Like, I had a couple hours today, so I went to the doctor and I got yeah. some skin tags frozen. Very yeah. exciting. <laughs> That's great. See, when, as you get older, yeah. your life is more occupied with just maintenance. Yeah. No, medical snow. I'm totally <laughs> with you. I'm like, when am I going to find time to get that dumb blood test so they can check my cholesterol? Sure. Like, that's exactly right. Well, I'll go do that. And then when you you find out the results and they're not quite right then you have a project yeah it's like how do i get that down yeah. what do i got to eat yeah yeah shop for specific things i guess those steak tips are off the menu now for now they are off god the menu damn it god damn it is Why right I bring this up i know i i've been okay without eating i didn't I, I found that i didn't eat that much red meat to begin with yeah so i'm like and it's kind of nice to eat fish it makes me go see that's another thing i do now i go to fish king in glendale <laughs> that has fresh fish and they service the armenian community and people that need fresh fish so it's good and I got a guy there who I tip and he takes care of me and gives me good fish. Wait, you grease the fish guy? Sure. Old, <laughs> old school. You got to grease the fish it's guy. It's fantastic. It's nice. You have a very involved and intricate life, I, I feel. So well, you, yeah, that's why that's, that's well, why you're not hanging right. around backstage yeah. at large. I'm a lunatic who likes to shop at three places <laughs> for specific things. Where do you shop? What is your process? Mm, uh, my husband does the marketing in oh, our house. Oh, does he? Yeah, he, he does the marketing and the cooking. Mr. Penn goes out and does everything? That is the only time he goes out because he is a hermit. He is a hermit. Yeah, mm-hmm. but but I, but this record that must have taken you some time. I don't, like I don't want to talk out of school or be weird or not know because I've listened to. I I can't say that I'm completely familiar with everything you've done, but I think this is like your best record. Thank you. Do you? I really love this record. I'm really thrilled with this record, and you know, part of it is because it is. Uh, What's the record I would make if I if I didn't care about what, how people received it? It's the you know acoustic, sad, depressing songs about the weirdos I know. Well, I mean, I just like, uh, I've listened to a, a lot of your records at different points in my life, but for some reason I put this one on the other day and I'm like, well, this is like mature kind of uh, stuff that she wants to be doing. Thank you. I didn't feel any of the, uh, you know, like, like me thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, exactly. <laughs> That's exactly right. There's no, it's like, no, you're not going to buy it. We, we all know that. Yeah. So I'm going to just do what I want to do. No, but some of these songs are great. Poor Thank Judge you. is great. Philly Sinks is great. Um, and I only went through it once and a half, one and a half times. Roller you, coasters is good. A lot of the themes, the Amy Mann themes, those troubled codependent relationships. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Oh my God, we love those. We love it. Mark, that's what we, one of the things we have in common. Uh, I'm, I'm, we're so into uh, it. I'm, but I'm, I'm kind of level. I'm good. I mean, I'm, yeah. in, I'm in a pretty level thing. Yeah? No, I'm not, not no, no crazy lately. 
Well, it's hard to believe, but I hands it, off. I mean, I, I don't know. It's I don't even know if it's. A, I don't wouldn't call it recovered as much as exhausted. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> at some point, like it must be a relief. I'm assuming just to write about these things and reflect. I don't know your life, but I don't know how insane you are. Is there any insanity? Okay. It's not, you know they're always everyone's crazy is the problem and they're always crazy satellites that are that are you know that that well, orbit you for a while. Well, let me put it another or way, vice versa. How how much engaged drama? Yeah, there's crazy everywhere. We're all crazy, but it doesn't mean you have to do the dance. Yeah, that's the work I do is how to you know how to set boundaries. What does the boundary look like? Where do I set it? What does setting it look like? It's all that. I know you're exhausted just hearing that sentence. <laughs> well, I mean, I think that's one of the reasons why I don't do much. It's yeah. like, there's your boundary. Yeah. No go. Yeah. yeah not yeah. doing it. No, Can't. Yeah. Sorry. Not available. <laughs> all turned off in there. Decline. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> that resource is not available right now. I cannot be your battery, yeah. nor can you be mine. Yeah. Well, that's good, I guess. But yeah. it, now is... This album's called Mental Illness, and I'm not a rock critic, and and I you know and I have to struggle to even listen to lyrics because I'm you know a dumb melody guy and riff guy. But I listen to all of them. But is there is there an arc? Is there a theme? Is this a when you call something mental illness? D- did you see it as a whole piece? Because there's a nice manageable number of songs on here, Amy Man. Yeah. I I was so relieved when I looked at the CD in my car. I'm like, oh my god, this is the last song. Wow, there's yeah. not 90 songs on this CD. Nobody wants 90 songs. Why do people do it then? I don't, because they're trying to give them their money's worth. I don't want my money's worth. No, make a I, record. I went just under my money's worth. <laughs> <laughs> want... 11 songs. Yeah. Yeah. Did, did, were there more? Uh, there, there were a couple of more, but uh, you know, I, I felt like this. The, these are the ones that made the grouping, the yeah. mental illness grouping. Uh, you know, some of them, there was a couple there were like, meh, there was a song about, it was like a murder ballad, which I guess, you know, I guess would qualify. But, sure. A murder ballad. But it just, it didn't really fit in. Like old timey murder ballad? Yeah. From the, from the point of view of the corpse. It was oh, very, yeah. Of a specific murder? No, just a creepy, I you don't know, just up? a creepy thing that came to me. I don't know. I don't know Wasn't what was Wasn't based going on. on some weird folk hero you're trying to create? No, it was, it's called, it was called, it's called Swanee River and it was just, you know, I just had this image of it. It's really, it's beyond depressing. Oh yeah. Image of a corpse uh-huh. at the bottom of the river. Ooh, it, that's know, lonely. With like the silt and mud and yeah. the, 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 the little fishies eating trees. it. Yeah. Ah. Anyway, that didn't make the record. Wow. That's, well, that sounds so like I drew the been, line. Was Parker. that the dance number on the record? <laughs> <laughs> but what 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 about the theme? Did, did you feel like there was a theme, or was that something you kind of put on it on the end? I felt I felt like while I was writing this record, or just before I I did I was having encounters with people that there were a little more specifically could be classified, you know, not just sort of everyday crazy, but, you know, like yeah. people with real mental. You know, Pe- like issues. people in your life, or just people at the store, or people. No, be- people, yeah, people I intersected with. Yeah, yeah, but yeah, it's kind of it's wild when that happens, isn't it? Yeah. What's more wild is when you find out someone you've known for years is like that day you're like, oh shit, yeah. you're you're much more fucked up than I ever imagined. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Some exactly. of those. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, like oh, <laughs> you're taking lithium. Yeah. Wow. Wow. I mean, like no yeah. judgment, obviously, because you know, yeah, because you and I are about sure. as crazy as we can be. Yeah. But what's well, good? They're medicating if they yeah. need that. Yeah. But you just didn't know that that person was. Yeah. The poles were that separated. <laughs> yeah, or or rather, it explained some stuff. Sure, yeah. sure. 
Well, it should explain that, gee, this could have been a lot worse. Yeah, I know. <laughs> I guess that's a, one highlight of finding out someone's on medicine. It's like, thank you. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah that, that answers a lot of questions. Yeah. Oh, I thought you just had a lot of energy and yeah. like didn't sleep very much and <laughs> yeah. talked a lot. You're very yeah. creative. Yeah. No, yeah. Oh, he's not doing his lithium yeah. right then, He's yeah. if that's still happening, if he's still up for a few days with the big ideas. Yeah. But uh, what was this thing you did with Ted Leo? Uh, Ted and I had, um, uh, or we still have, a band called The Both, and we made, uh, wrote and recorded a record right after my last record. My last record was called Charmer, and then we, um, he, we went on tour with each other. He opened for me. Yeah. And we became really good friends. And, uh, that was the first time, like that recently. Yeah, huh. yeah. I mean, it was a couple, couple three years. Because you guys like, were three sort of years the same ago. orbity people to yeah. me. Yeah, I knew, I knew him, and I knew his music. But he was doing a solo thing, and yeah. as I was watching the solo thing, I was like, I if I I feel like if I put bass to this, it could be like I sort of heard how a duo would sound. Uh-huh. And, uh, and I was really eager to play bass again, and that was just super fun. And it was, I don't know, I also think that I'm, I'm really in the mood to collaborate with people. I don't have that like, I got to prove that I'm a great songwriter all on my own. Every <laughs> word has to be mine. And it's really fun to collaborate with people. And you're playing bass? Yeah. So it's just bass and he's on acoustic? Yeah. No, he's on electric. Oh, really? And and when we tour, we have a, we have a drummer. So oh, you it's do? a power so, trio, yeah. So but, but we do a lot of shows, just the two of us. And you're writing together as well? Yeah. Have you recorded? Yeah, we did an album. Called The Both? The Both. How was that? It was, I love it. it now I have to really get that fun. now. Yeah. Like I've been, <laughs> Now I, you're too behind. I, I'm plenty behind. Yeah. But like Ted, I, I knew years ago, briefly- um, in New York and I haven't really listened to his stuff in a long time either he's a good pop guy he's a great I mean he's a really good songwriter and his guitar playing is so interesting yeah his soloing is so interesting it's melodic but it has this sort of punky thing that feels like it's about to fall apart uh-huh. in a really interesting way uh, so yeah, I'm I'm real I'm really into him, you know. So it's a it's fun to do a power trio thing. Wow! You know? So because he can hold up his end. Yeah. Well, who are the people on this record? Are they your, your regular crew? Or? Uh, Jonathan Colton is is on it uh, because Jonathan is does like a a lot. Or he is or like a, a real. Um, we wrote a couple songs together. Really, I, I wrote a song with this guy John Roderick, who's which songs a, did you write with Jonathan Colton? Um, Roller coasters and patient zero and. Uh, why am I forgetting? Oh, good for me. That Philly Sinks, is that about a guy that's like <laughs> the same guy from every song you've ever written? Uh, the, 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 the dry drunk yeah, who yeah. now is just a, now is like sex and love addict. Yeah. Right. Uh-huh. That, that guy, yeah, the recurring guy. theme. So there is a through line, There's, right? You know, these people are endlessly fascinating <laughs> to me. Really? Yeah. Oh, maybe that's the difference between you and me. My fascination, it, it, it uh, wanes. Yeah, well, what? you know, some, it's nice to to have a, a bit of a distance instead of like, right. Well, sometimes know, it's just sort away. of like again. Yeah. <laughs> really, like, <laughs> I don't, I can't do it anymore. Yeah. And like, it, it, they become easier. People become easier as they become more predictable. Yeah. But that implies like if you stay in those kind of engagements, so that implies something about you, you know. Oh, absolutely. I find myself in the same kind of dynamics over and over. I mean, you know, but you have to look at it like, here's an opportunity to practice, uh, you know. Yeah, all I'm going to use yeah. this guy that yeah. knows me one way and act totally different and see how that goes. Yeah, well. Oh, that didn't go well. Now I'm back in the old shit. Yeah, I mean, I just, you know, a lot of it is like, 
practicing like okay what practicing boundaries and Uh like you said sometimes the boundary is like i can't do i can't can't. you know i can't know you yeah yeah i can't sometimes i can't even open emails that's how tight my boundaries are yeah can't do it just don't even throw i'm gonna throw that one right away (laughs) thank god there's like uh you know like with texting and that kind of stuff i don't know what happened but i just became one of those people that goes through my text and I'm like, holy shit, I didn't answer that. You think you answer it in your head? Yeah. Like, oh yeah, okay, I'll do that. Yeah, here's and, the answer in my head. Yeah, and then yeah. it doesn't, then just sits there for a week. Yeah. And uh, I'm sad and also elevated and excited that I'm one of those people now. That I'm the person you can text and a week later I'll be like, oh, what's up? Yeah. <laughs> and then you're going, you fucking asshole. Well, I think that's probably good. I have that, like, I could answer this in 30 seconds. Yeah. Uh, and, you know, which is terrible if you're driving or doing anything or that's trying right. to have any kind yeah. of life. Yeah. I needed a week to tell you I couldn't come over. Yeah. <laughs> that's right. <laughs> so yeah. now what happens now? Do you go out on the road? I'm going out on the road April 20th to May 13th. With this band? Um... I uh, yeah, it is pretty much that band. But when you go now, do you find uh, have you like have you do you have these fans that have like sort of aged with you? Yeah, <laughs> like yeah, these people that have been coming for twenty years. Yeah, some yeah, of them. Yeah, I think. like yeah. hey, and you're like oh yeah, how's it go? Yeah, yeah. There's some some diehard fans that you know. It's nice, right? Yeah. In a way, other than you can see your own mortality reflected in them. I think it's I think it's really sweet. I'm oh, surprised do people don't like. How are you not sick of me? Right. But then it's it's challenging because they come, but then they say sort of, you know, they say those slightly passive aggressive compliments. <laughs> <laughs> like, no, it's it's a lot different than the last one. Yeah. Yeah. Uh-huh. <laughs> like, what do you mean? <laughs> no, no, no. No, it's good. No, no, it's good. Oh, it's uh, good. That, like, well, high thank voice. you. No, nice no, I like it. <laughs> oh, I liked it. Nice to see you, too. <laughs> what song do you play when you play songs from this record? Uh, this will be the first time I have ever Ooh. played a song from this record. Uh, so I'm going I'm to try it out. I'm going to play the song Patient Zero because uh, I sort of know it, even though I think I'm, I think I'm going to get take a my lyric crib sheet just in oh, case. Oh, yeah? Yeah. <laughs> Jay Maskus has that way. Oh, an entire book of everything he's ever written. <laughs> yeah, I have I have that somewhere. I mean, it's yeah. a, a little heavy to As we get older, <laughs> you're going to have to pull that yeah. out. Why Why leave it to chance? Well, right? you can just dill in it and just garble your way through things. <laughs> All right, here, I'll, let's, I'll shut down. We'll set up. Grand, and wouldn't you like to have it go? 
Start clapping too soon? <laughs> no, it's perfect. Thank Sounded you. Sounded so good. I like. I really, uh, I really love this Thank record. You, Mark. I'm very happy for you. So, what is like with something like this, this album? When you like do a single, what is a single on this one in your mind? Um, I, you know, there isn't. There really isn't just, a single. I have a, a couple of songs I made videos for because I just had ideas for videos and doesn't work like that anymore. Yeah, really? Yeah. It, this song, there's a video for, and I just made a video for the, the first song on the record, Goose Snow Cone. Now, can I ask you a dumb question? Because, mm-hmm. like, you know, I'm trying to be more lyrically sensitive, mm-hmm. and I know that, like, some, you know, poetry is poetry, and you know, it means what you want it to mean sometimes, and you know, you get whatever emotion you get out of it, but um. What what is a goose snow cone? Well, it's a dumb thing that really existed only in my mind, and I was going to replace it with something, but I couldn't yeah. think of a thing to replace it with. Um, I mean, I feel like you will relate to this a little bit. There's a a cat that is that belongs to a friend of mine, yeah. and the cat is often in uh, their Instagram account, yeah, and. Um, and she's white and fluffy, and uh, I was on tour and feeling really homesick, yeah. and I saw a picture of this cat with its little white, fluffy, snow co- snowball-like face. Right. And so I was writing this song about being uh, homesick and sort of lonely, and it was snowing. I was in Ireland, and it was snowing and depressing, and... and uh, and and I was you know, but I I couldn't figure out what to replace it with, that, right? You know, so yeah. I just was like, fuck it, I'm gonna just have to explain it every time people ask. You think people will ask? They yeah, they, they already have. Yeah, they ask. Goose snow cone. Well, because nobody, what you can't imagine what it is. It's, well, yeah, because you yeah. like a snow cone. Yeah, that takes you somewhere. Yeah, and you're like, what's a goose snow cone? Yeah. And but what do you say generally, other than just that? It's, Can't you just say, "Hey, well, don't fucking bother me." Yeah, <laughs> it's poetry, man. Yeah, I get to have some kind of leeway. Yeah. It means whatever I want it to mean. You're the well, songwriter. It's about a cat, so okay. I made the video about the cat. The cat, the cat. Oh, is, that's, that is explains in, everything. Is in the video. A lot of good turns of phrase, some smart, wise stuff on this Thank record. Thank you, Mark. Nice seeing you. <laughs> Holy shit. It always amazes me when performers come in here and just knock it, just kill it with the one take business. Man, I can't get through a whole song, but I'm not a professional musician. I don't do it for a living. It's just I, when they lock in, when especially Amy, and this happened twice, when she locks in, it's like, oh my God, I'm just sitting here just, just listening, trying to not look directly at her uh, in, in awe of the amazing sound and singing. She, it was, she's great. The new record is called Mental Illness. So here we go. 
This is it. Uh, Anne Hathaway came over here and, and sat in here, right over there. The new movie that she's in is uh, Colossal. It's now playing in New York and L.A. It opens in theaters across the country this Friday, April 14th. And um, I think I kept it together during this interview. That I'll preface it with that. And that I, I, I think she's great. For real. All right, this is me and Anne Hathaway. I mean, I know Glendale. I've worked in Glendale. I've been to Glendale. I go to Glendale sometimes. There's parts of Glendale I like, but I don't know if I would just blanketly say I like, I like Glendale. Glendale. What sort of things do you blanketly like? Um, like geographically? Sure. I like Northern California. I can go blanket on Northern California, generally speaking. Mm-hmm. Washington State mm-hmm. along the coast, I like. New Mexico. Mm-hmm. Why am I talking so much? What about you? Uh, I like Northern California. Okay. As well. Yeah. Um, okay, I've got a blanket one, the what? ocean. Really? Blanket, love the ocean. Yeah, I mean, I, I, I don't think I could live without it, but I don't find myself going there much. Do you find yourself like, how long you lived in LA? Uh, off and on since I was 16. All right, do you like, do you take the day and go, I'm going to the ocean? Well, I can't in LA because I'm extremely pale. Mm-hmm. And the amount of like stuff you have to bring with you just is, is just irritating. What but about the trip itself? On, the trip itself is irritating. <laughs> but when I'm on the East Coast, yeah. I make it a point to go to the beach a lot. Oh yeah, we're like Long Beach. Or like um, Asbury Park, where you uh, Asbury Park I've been to, yeah. but I go to Cape May, New Jersey. Okay. Oh, well, you're like Jersey girl, right? Yeah. Well, I was born in Brooklyn, but raised in New Jersey. New Jersey. I'm born in New Jersey. Where? Jersey City. I love having Jersey in common with people. I'm from Milburn. I, I'm trying to think where Milburn is because I, I I got out at like six, but my grandparents. That's when I got in. Oh, really? <laughs> yeah. My mom's family, Pompton Lakes which is by Wayne mm-hmm. and yeah. yeah Morris County. Yeah, I played soccer against all of those towns. Really? Mm-hmm. What were you big, you're a big soccer player? Growing up, I, I mean, I wasn't very I, I was uh, exceptionally mediocre, but uh but I did play a lot. Yeah. Yeah, my dad um my dad worked really hard <laughs> to as make a you a boy. <laughs> Clearly. <laughs> um he's succeeded it's like a little bit, but yeah. uh no, he worked really hard as a lawyer in Manhattan. And uh, I talked to him about it recently, and he said, I made a choice as a lawyer uh, that whatever it meant for my career, I was always going to be home on the weekends. And the best way for him to spend time with all of us, because it was me and my two brothers, was through soccer. Right. And he would ref our games. Sometimes yeah. he was our coach. Yeah. He was just an involved parent. But I don't know that it's something I would have chosen if my older brother hadn't. My, my older brother's really good at it. And still? I don't know that it's something I would. He, he, he doesn't play as much anymore because he has a kid. <laughs> right. But before he had a kid, he was he was playing in like a grown-up league. Oh, yes. really? Mm-hmm. So it's stuck with him. Yeah. Like those dudes who play hockey. Yes. Yeah. Do you play a sport? No. No. <laughs> I, I think I'm physical enough. I think I can handle it. Mm-hmm. But uh, I'm not great with competition. Mm-hmm. I don't I don't like to lose. Mm-hmm. And uh, it's uh, everything's very life and death for me. There's, there's no You too? Oh, yeah. Like, I, it's like, I'd rather, it's really immature, but I'd, I'd almost rather forfeit the game than I've gotten, go through the humiliation. I've gotten to a place where I, I can play, like, parlor games at parties. Oh, okay. Like, I'm, I'm no longer an unpleasant charades player, oh. but, um, but I, I am, I'm, I'm a brutally- You mean one that talks? 
That's not how you play. <laughs> uh, yeah, no, I know. I, I think I've become, I, I've, I've made friends with my competitiveness, but, um, oh, but deep down it's, it's savage. Yeah, you, it's, it's good to be competitive, but at some point it's important to learn the lesson of losing like a, a person. Oh, yeah. That it's not the, you know, it's, it doesn't indicate anything about your being if you lose. You're right. You're right. I remember, you know, going back to soccer for a second, like losing a game and crying. Right. And I think that I've talked about this with other people and I don't have kids, but I, I think that the most important thing you could teach them is how to lose with some dignity mm. so it, they can at least enjoy life. Yeah. And, 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 and also, you know, because I'm talking about myself, I can say this. Yeah. I was crying because I thought it reflected on me. And right. so rather than think about my teammates, I was thinking about myself. It's a pretty narcissistic sure. thing to do. Well, if it, right. It, as long as it wasn't uh, like I did it. I'm the one that lost the game. I, I could create that narrative, though. Oh, right. I was a pretty self-absorbed teenager. Really? Shockingly. Not anymore, for a teenager. Though. I mean, I have moments, <laughs> but I'm a parent now, so I feel like I can't, uh, that self-absorption doesn't really have room in my life. Uh-huh. How's that going? Being a parent? Being less self-absorbed. I mean, like I said, I got moments. <laughs> oh, you're like a new parent. I'm a new parent, yeah. Like a year old or something? Mm-hmm. Wow. So you're like in it. This is a whole new world. How, yeah. When did you shoot that movie? Like right after you had a kid? Uh, while I was pregnant. Four months pregnant when we made this. Wow. That's crazy. Yeah. It was, it was, it was, I was really happy uh, the d- reaction my director had. What did he say? Well, because I, I called him and, and he said, you know, oh my gosh, this is amazing. He spent five minutes just just being happy for me and then he went oh wait a minute does th- what does that mean for the film can you can you do it and i said well I- i'd like i'd like to do it if, yeah. if you'll have Here me. Are the sweaters you'll be wearing well and he said <laughs> your character's a drunk you're bloated it's perfect yeah yeah and it, it actually does work it, re- it does read that way <laughs> and it was fun i ate so many muffins really oh yeah because you're feeding the kid too feeding that's kid. i think that's one of the fun parts of being pregnant right absolutely but this movie i watched it on the i watched it on the my my tv I plug my computer into the TV, old school. Mm-hmm. I, now I have Apple TV, though. You can just do it by for the button. But nonetheless, I watched it, which is good, right? That you watched it? Yeah. I'm so relieved. Yeah. It, it did cross my mind coming over here how difficult it would be to talk about it. Well, it's difficult to talk about anyway, but... But don't you... Do people do that, though? Because there's times where I've had people in that have done a lot of things. Like, I can't say I've watched all your movies, but as I'll uh, reveal, I'm, I'm a pretty big fan. So, yes. to the... <laughs> To the point where uh, it it got a little awkward, but you don't even know about it. <laughs> okay. But this movie is one of those movies, it reminded me a little of like when I saw Unbreakable, where there there's something more to what you're seeing, and I couldn't really put it together until after, and I think it runs deeper than uh, you're going to get just from watching it passively. I, I would agree with that. And you can watch it passively. Of course. You know, I did. And then there was that sort of thing where it's like, well, that's pretty good. That's a nice twist. That was worth waiting for. The big twist at the end. How is that going to resolve itself? Oh, holy shit. She went there to do that. So see how I did that? Didn't Thank give you. away anything. I, Nothing. I'm breathing a lot easier now. Thank yeah. you. Um, but then like in thinking about it and then talking to people about it, because it is a, a peculiar device. I mean, like this, the narrative device is like, where the fuck did that come from? Yeah. Now, when you read that, what were the discussions you had with uh, the director and writer? It was just a love fest. I just, I, I didn't, I know I should have had a, 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 a more rigorous process for a vetting process or something, but I was just so in. I was just what so in. What was it in. about it? 
just just what you said, like the where the fuck did that come from yeah. uh, quality to it. Yeah. I felt so refreshed by the end of it. Um, it made me laugh, and it was and and it reminded me of the sort of movies that I dreamed of making when I when I started. And you know, I don't want to complain about my career; it's been amazing. Yeah, but I, I I've sometimes found myself in films that I'm just like, oh, I would have seen this, but I don't know that I would have been first in line to see this. Oh yeah, you know, yeah. And this one is something that it it, it just I felt it really represented my personal sensibilities, the movies that I like. I don't need movies to make sense for them to be enjoyable right. to me, and the fact that this one did make sense that there was a thread that went through it and it was so creatively wild uh ambitious and uh, yeah i just everything about it i loved it must i have loved been, her yeah it must have been mind-blowing to read that thing it, with that moment where you're like what wait what i'm in the <laughs> playground and what's happening I, that aspect of it was so much fun to that that was one of the things that that drew me in because you know, when you're a kid and you don't know that you want to be an actor, like as, as a thought, you're not yeah. thinking, what is my career path? Right. But you are on the playground and you do see cities around you and right. you do see imaginary villains and they do have capes and mm-hmm. and you do have to figure out how to get that stack of boulders to fall on them. And you see all of it. Yeah. And I, I, it was so, making this was so much fun because I got to go to a playground and do that again. But what it implies about the... The strange sort of anonymous, you know, bordering on cowardice of having personalities online, Mm. out in the world, doing destructive things, Mm -hmm. that the metaphor, it it didn't resonate till afterwards. And I think it's in there. Do you? Yeah. You do? For sure. Was it, did did you have those kind of conversations with the filmmaker? Uh, About like what it implied? Yeah, yeah. Not just what it implied, what each of our experiences had been at the hands of the internet. Because oh, really? He, so that was a real active conversation. Yeah, he wrote it because he because uh, he'd experienced some internet hate over something uh, he'd either said or, or declared. What's his name? N- Nacho. Nacho. Nacho Vigalondo. Isn't yeah. that? The, it doesn't sound like I just made that what up. What are his other movies? Time Crimes. Okay. He made a film called Extraterrestrial, and on iTunes, I believe you can buy a, a bundle of his short films called Confetti of the Mind. Okay. And those were what convinced. Because I read the script and I loved it and I thought, wow, this is, you know, like I said, so ambitious. But can he pull it off? Because, you know, that's a really important thing. And some of his short films look like it was just him, a buddy, an iPhone, and an afternoon. And (laughs) they're great. Right. And they're clever and they're entertaining and they're screamingly funny. Yeah. So he had, you had a conversation about internet cowardice and hate. Well, yeah. I mean, more. I say cowardice because usually it's anonymous. You know, it's I, I I don't remember which one, but one of the guys who uh, one of the creators of the internet said, if if we had had any idea where this was going to go, we never would have made it anonymous. <laughs> 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 and I think seeing it, it, it I can see why uh, seeing all that's happened, and you know, I have my own experience with it, um, and I I can't help but think that we're all growing up together in this moment and we've never quite had anything like this the responsibility the access the protection the anonymity um that that ability to let our id run as unchecked as we want it to go we've never had that before and we're actually having a real conversation about it people's reactions are genuine people that are into it people get who get high off of hurting other people it, it was the feeling that i had about it culturally going into my conversation with the director right which we had right it's weird because what happens, the reason why people a lot of times get attacked, and I was thinking about this today, that, who was I talking to? I just did uh, RuPaul's 
podcast. I went over there just earlier today, and he mm-hmm. says hi, and, and he oh said, "Oh my god, okay, he, I'm just dying." Yeah, <laughs> oh and my he god. said, "He said, ask her about the Liza Judy thing that I heard that might happen because mm-hmm. she's so like them." Aw, and what about those? Well, first of all, that's that's very very elevated company, and uh, it might happen. Really, it might happen. It's uh, there. What's oh, the angle? There's a script underway. I can't tell you. It's too good. It's too well, good. Well, who I don't are you going to play? I'm of Judy. Really, Judy. And you love her. Oh my God! Yes. Oh my gosh! Yes, I, I adore her. I think uh-huh. she was one of. I think she's so brave. I think she was a woman who. If I think if Judy Garland lived today, we would have seen a very different version of her. Uh-huh. Um, none, 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 no less of the talent, no less of the feeling. But I think, I think that both uh, Judy Garland and Marilyn Monroe and a few other women from that period, uh, I thought they were emotional geniuses, totally ahead of their time. When you look at their their level of inclusivity, they didn't see, uh, they didn't particularly care about gender, they didn't care about sexuality, they just loved everybody. They just wanted to be loved and so they loved everybody. So that was, and, and that was the thing that did it. It's a vulnerability almost. Certainly. I mean, I mean, Judy Garland was so achingly vulnerable and also raw, so powerful raw. and so raw. I don't know if you've seen A Star is Born lately. I haven't seen it lately. There's this scene in it where it's it's a it's one take and she she's like a three or a four minute monologue. And she ta- she's talking about her husband in the in the film who's who's an alcoholic. And you have to remember, like, this is before there were rehabs. This is before yeah. the term addict, I think, even existed. I mean, you know, people were just poking around in the dark trying to make sure. sense of these things. She likes to have a good time. That's what they called addicts. <laughs> That's so dark. <laughs> Speaking of dark. Uh-huh. And she has this... Um, Monologue, and I, I saw behind the scenes of, of it, the making of thing. Yeah. And George Cooker, I think, was the director, and he went up to her, and it's a and it's a monologue about addiction, but without being called about addiction. And he said, "You know what this is about." Oh, really? And she said, "Yeah, I do." Uh, he goes, "Okay, rolling." And she just gives my favorite performance that anyone's. Ever, all due respect to Meryl Streep, who gives like all my other favorite performances. Yeah. It's the best acting I think anyone has ever done in that scene where she goes with it and then they're like we're ready for you on set and she like leaves the shot and goes out into the background of another shot and just starts singing and dancing it's crazy show business oh my god and yeah. and that level of strength and the stories about her this one won't be in the movie but she was so she was in so much pain and she wanted so and she needed help so badly and there are people around her who just didn't have it within themselves to give her that space and i don't know if it was greed or fear or both or what denial Maybe, yeah, that's a really strong one too. Very, a very big possibility. Yeah. But they pulled her. She tried to commit suicide. They pull her out of the hospital because she had a show. She's saying she's begging them not to take her through. She's saying, "I need a rest. I need a break. Don't do this. Don't do this. Don't do this." And they're saying, "Judy, you're going on." Her mother was in the car with her, and then finally, um, she asks for a mirror. And now I must say, this is secondhand. I read this in a book, so yeah. apologies to her children if right. this not, is not true. But they give her the mirror, yeah, and so she so she can do her makeup, and she takes the mirror and she smashes it and grabs a shard of glass and starts cutting her face. Oh my god! Because she didn't want to go on, and Ugh. they got a doctor to the theater who stitched her up and they covered it with her hair and she went out and she did a show. Oh, how long was that before she died? Twenty years. That it's a, a god to live in that. Yeah. 
And so one of the things I want to do, by the way, I feel like I have to say this because I've just told a few, you know, tragic stories. I'm falling into the habit that people have with her, which is to focus on the aspects of her life that were tragic. One of the things that I want to do with the story uh, and, and the way I want to tell the story yeah. is I want to show that uh, she was an artist. that She was a great mom. And because that that aspect of her always you always say that after you talk about all the the, the, the heightened levels of tragedy that that uh, that affected her in her life. She was this sublime artist. She had such greatness inside of her and her talent saw her through so much. And I don't know. And she was a great wit. People don't know that about her. She was funny as anything. Yeah. Oh, man. So, yeah, I'm really excited for that project. It's what, been a long time coming. When did you when did that start to resonate with you? Because you started acting pretty young. And I mean, that was really, I think, when everybody saw her was, what, Wizard of Oz or the Mickey Rooney movies? I mean, she must have been very young and she was playing young. Mm -hmm. she, she did a lot of Andy Hardy movies. Yeah. And then she got cast in The Wizard of Oz. And then she was sort of, I mean, it was such an awkward time because she wasn't quite grown up yet, but she wasn't quite the little girl that people wanted her to be. And it, so she lived in this uncomfortable place for, for, I mean, for much of her career, honestly. And when did you, when did she start to resonate with you? Well, I auditioned for there's this a uh, 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 made for television movie starring Judy Davis, and she's she's just incredible. And in Judy it. Davis is great. She's amazing. And yeah. the girl that they honestly they want uh, so uh, should get to the point of the story first. I auditioned to play young Judy Garland in yeah. that, and they cast, when was this? I think I was like fifteen, maybe uh -huh. um, fifteen, sixteen, and they cast a young actress named Tammy Blanchard, who just I mean she, they're they're twins. She mm -hmm. did such a good job, and. Um, and that was kind of when I started to really get into the story because there was a lot of uh, backstory stuff that I didn't know. But you seem to, on some level, avoided uh, a crash and burn mode, as far as I can tell. Publicly. Yeah. Pu publicly, yeah. But um, no, no, no. I, I crashed and burned like all of them. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> behind closed doors yeah Maybe. i think i was just i'm just really lucky I, I i went to vassar for a few years and so i think a lot of that stuff was just chalked up to like college age oh you didn't lose control necessarily behavior no yeah. no no, i did oh yeah and uh, like what um what was your thing i mean when did it start high school no, no, no. I was I was a teetotaler in high school. I was pretty righteous about it too. <laughs> oh yeah, yeah, yeah. I, you drunk girls are bad news. Um, no, no, no. Not even that. I just it wasn't about judgment of other people. Yeah. It was um, a way of of creating some kind of control in my own world. Sure. Yeah. So I didn't um, smoke anything or drink anything till I was eighteen. And then you know how it is when you don't do it for a long time. You, oh yeah. You kind of go a little harder sure. than you should. Yeah. Um, but it took. I mean, I remember. I just dropped the thing that I was That's hoping right. to calm me down. Excuse me. Um, I can't even say that it's a thing that I've totally resolved. I think, you know, the... the what? Drinking. Yeah. The the break that I, I got to take when I was trying to get pregnant and then yeah. pregnant and then, you know, breastfeeding. Yeah. W it was a real gift. It was a real gift to just kind of learn how to bring it all down and be present. And and honestly, like, my, um, I was talking to someone today and about motherhood and they were just saying you know you seem to really be calm about it and i said the the, the fear the anxiety was that i wasn't gonna get pregnant and now that i i have um i just feel like i just get to enjoy the rest of my life so i feel like because some of that anxiety is tamped down and because i don't want my son to have an impaired mom right um i think that that's that's i think i hope that's quieted down but i mean if you talk to anybody who really knew me in my 20s they yeah. they would they would tell you i was a wild girl really yeah I just didn't, it just, I think it was so incongruous to people's idea of me that it never really got 
you know, picked up. And it, and it never, and it was never that dramatic. I think it was like a lot of people where, sure. where I could drink a bottle of wine by myself every night. Sure. You know, by yourself like, though? Yeah. Oh yeah. I could. Yeah. Usually I'd, I'd rope someone else to help me, but, sure. but I drank most of it. <laughs> right. But it, like, it, it seems like you're able to manage your life, uh, uh, at least professionally. Uh, I mean, I, I'm still going. Yeah. And it's going well, so that's good. Well, when did you start? <laughs> when did the acting start? Let's go back and then move through it. And I and I want to talk about that vulnerability, the Marilyn Monroe, Judy Garland thing. Because, like, I have... I said something to RuPaul walking out, you know, about, like... You know, I know there's been a lot of attention paid to, you know, people who, who are, you know, have a strong opinions about you one way or the other. And I said to him, well, I love her... Because, you know, when you can't help but be vulnerable in all your performances, when mm. you can see that, which you do, which is a consistent thing with you, and it's an amazing thing. Thank you. That, you know, it doesn't matter what the character is. It's not that you're necessarily coming through because you're an actress, but that thing, that vulnerability, that humanity always comes through. And I say, well, that, there's a person that's going to be moved always by that and compelled by it, but it's also bully bait. I mean, that, <laughs> do you, you know what I mean? It's just totally, totally. That yeah, you know, yeah. vulnerability is like chum in the water to assholes. <laughs> oh, that is a great line. Oh man, good. You I'm like lifting it. that and saying it in a movie. Oh, yeah, do it. I don't even need credit. I'm glad to help out. You'll get in the special thanks. Is it hot in here? Or is it right? just us? Yeah, I'm okay. Know. Honestly, I don't know what's wrong with me. I like this type of thing. I don't mind it. I didn't know if it was like, the tea or it was, it, it was happening to you. And I, there's am nothing, I turning red? I turn no, red a lot. <laughs> there's nothing I can do. to. I can't turn the air on. I don't even, there's no reason for me to ask that. I, I like a hot, stuffy room. Yeah? I don't know what's wrong with me. I like it. I, Sometimes it's relaxing. I agree. It's like the humidity. Because I don't, I don't do any drugs or drink anymore. Like, But in the humidity... Like when I lived in New York, it's horrible, but it's you're so dead. Yeah, like it's a, it's almost a, a replacement for doing drugs. You're yeah. just too exhausted. The, the, like, yeah, I think that's why I like the ocean. Yeah, because by the end of the day, you're spent. Yeah, you, without doing sitting. anything. Yeah, just sitting right there. <laughs> so I uh, okay. Well, let me tell you the backstory that I have with you because it's it's sort of a, I don't even know if it's a great story to tell you, but uh, after I saw the what Rachel's getting married is that what it's called? Yeah. When did that come out? Like 2007? Something like 2008, that? 2008, yeah. Right. So I was uh, doing a show in New York, a streaming video show at Air America. You know, I was in the middle of a, a bad divorce. I was you know, shattered and doing this daily video show, a political show mostly, but also whatever. It was just a show that nobody watched on the computer. And I went and saw that movie and I was like so amazed by you and by the movie. And I Thank thought it was a great you. performance. But then I sort of, sort of like, uh, I started being like, "Do you think uh, Anne Hathaway knows about this show?" And like, and I was doing it on the show, and like two thousand people watch this at most on any given day. But it became this recurring theme. I wonder if we, I could get her to talk to me if she would oh, come. Funny, up. but it went on for months. And of course, it, no, you don't. You didn't know anything about that. But it, it was this recurring theme with me that like someday I'm going to talk to Anne Hathaway. I'm going to high five across the. Table. Yeah, it's a big day. So, but what <laughs> happened was with all that kind of like going on every day, which wasn't all that, but I, it was on my mind. But it's a real, you were going through some real stuff. Sure. But like the, you weren't going to solve it. <laughs> <laughs> Certainly not. <laughs> but, but I think that my intuition that maybe you might doesn't seem to be that off <laughs> character logically. Well, yeah. So, so anyway. <laughs> I'm so, I'm, 
What? I'm just amazed and flattered by everything you're saying, and I'm fighting really hard not to leave my body right now. I'm fighting really hard to take all this in. <laughs> so, so what happens, I'm in New York, right? And one time I'm just walking, was probably down 3rd Avenue, it was downtown, because I never went anywhere but downtown, and you were just walking. <gasps> you were just walking by yourself. And I know from you know being a you know mid-level celebrity myself that there's nothing I could have like if I if I I did have eye contact with you, but there was no way it was going to register as anything to you other than like uh oh, but you know there's <laughs> no, because even when people are trying to act cool and you know this, you know their eyes widen just a little. Like mm-hmm. even when they're trying to keep it together, there's that like a, like a half a centimeter of like oh shit, you know, and <laughs> they can't you can't it's involuntary. So I imagine that happened, but I saw you, and after all this talking about you know talking to you, there was nothing I could do that wouldn't seem like fucking creepy. Uh, you could have said Jersey girl. Yeah, I wouldn't have thought that, but I, I would have turned. Oh, I, I, it probably would have been more like help. help. <laughs> <laughs> Anne, you don't understand. You're the only one that can help me. For the record, I would have hugged you. <laughs> oh, really? I would have hugged you. Yeah, they no one would have believed it. I would have hugged. I would have hugged. You. I feel so much more comfortable giving people hugs than I do taking selfies. Oh yeah. Yeah. I, I'll go either way. If the selfie <laughs> like it's quicker than like what what really becomes a, a chore because you seem like a good person in terms of people that love you or your fans is that it's like you want to you know, they know you in a certain way mm. whatever information's out there. There's a lot of information about me because I never shut up and I talk, but um, but they they have this relationship with you that they're walking into and you you don't know you don't know no. them. I don't. And they could go either way, and but yeah, sometimes they're sort of like, "Well, let's catch up." <laughs> <laughs> well, can I tell you where I hold it? Yeah, and and I didn't always, and I've got to say, I I, I I hope I wasn't a jerk to anybody, but in my head, I was a jerk yeah. to people a lot for uh for a period of time, um, and I just woke up one day, and I just became so deeply flattered by it. And I just saw it for what it is, which is just, it's just somebody giving you some of their energy in a nice way. Right. And it's really not that hard to stand there and just- Exactly. Be gracious. thank you so much. Right. I mean, I don't know if it's motherhood or just growing up a little bit, but people's time matters. Yeah. You can do whatever you want with it and you choose to give it to me. Yeah. Either like by watching my movies or in this moment by telling me that I make you feel good. Holy shit. That's amazing. Right. No, that's great. But then, then comes- the uh, point where it's like i'm not done yet (laughs) (laughs) but yeah yeah exactly well um how are uh, you seem to be doing really well now i'm good yeah yeah the time the time did it turn into grist for the mill oh yeah 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 no i got through all that yeah i mean it was you know i you didn't need me no i did (laughs) (laughs) but uh but no you know things work out you had your problems yes again and again and again and again mr will still Looking forward to them finding me again. But you got a good one now. What's right? my problem now? No, you got a good relationship now. Oh, I got a good relationship now. So, yeah. like, okay, well, this is something we could talk about, maybe. Um, what, what, what did you have to do to, you know, sort of recover from some of the bad ones? Like, what did you, like, how did you reconcile that with yourself? How did you figure out who you were in that? Uh, you know, I'll. I'll tell you the moment uh, I've been dating my husband for about a year. Yeah, and um, and I knew and I knew he was a good guy, and I I, I, I intuited, but I hadn't absorbed and, and owned yet. Yeah, that uh, 
that I should be grateful to all the bad relationships because without them, I don't know that I would have known how to appreciate my husband. Right. I think I might have said, oh, he's a nice guy. I'm sure there's lots of nice guys out there. Right. Because I knew for a fact that there are actually way more not nice guys out there from my own experience that this guy was rare and I should be good to him. And about a year into our relationship, as, 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 you know, I think probably happens to most people, I started to be my real self. And the same stuff that had happened with the bad guys showed up. Right. So I'm like, all right, it wasn't all them. It was, it was a little bit me. And I remember huh. this one moment I was, I was you know, uh, thinking about my husband, talking to him. And honestly, if, I, if I'm being 100% honest and he knows this, I was disparaging him in my mind. And, um, and not being kind. Yeah. And who I am now... Knowing that he is my husband and the father of my child and the king of my life, yeah, reached back in time and slapped me myself upside the head, yeah, and said, "Hey, honey, this is not the one that you do that with. <laughs> All right, you have a choice. You either never have a guy this good again, uh-huh. or you grow up a little bit." So, right, and I just went. Oh, all my old BS is not going to serve this. I have to figure out a way to be better. And I I was really upfront with him about it. And I've always been upfront with him that, you know, I don't really deserve someone this great. But if you're willing to hang with me, um, I'll be my best self with you always. I just that best self might not be good enough for what you could actually should actually have. I like that even in the self-realization moment, you're undermining yourself. (laughs) Can't help it. (laughs) You know, like, like look, I, I. you know, I just want to be honest. I'm, I'm kind of <laughs> shitty. Yeah. And <laughs> yeah, I want to be. Honest. I'm kind of shitty. I hope I'm not always shitty, but there's a chance I might be. Could get pretty shitty. I, there's some shittiness in here, right? You but know? That, yeah, but I'm aware of the shitty. I'm aware. Of, this is a really important first step. I'm not one of those people that doesn't think they're shitty. No, right, and that's a, it is an important first step because you know that self awareness and and the weird thing is is that what you realize at that moment is that like you know I somehow am am part of the sabotaging. Yeah, absolutely. And like I I've been saying on stage lately that you know if you're emotionally fucked up, you it's not going to get fixed. Mm-hmm. Like all you can do is learn how to shut the fuck up. Uh, uh, say more about that. Well, I mean that like for me, I don't know what your trip is. But like, I'll say things that are hurtful. Sometimes I'll get mad, I'll rage out. Like when I feel yeah. uh, hurt or manipulated or defensive, you know, it, even if I'm making it up, mm-hmm, like the woman mm-hmm. I'm with now said recently when I was, you know, she did something that, you know, I registered differently and there was nothing said, but like, you know, a few minutes go by and I'm like, I know what you're doing. And I, I, I feel, you know, like I started having this conversation. She's like, you're whatever conversation you're having, it's you're having it with yourself. Yeah, because I'm absolutely not, right. And that was sort of enlightening. And uh, it, but more about it is is just that I would lash out prematurely. And it was it was really about uh, fear of being intimate, of being of trusting someone else. Mm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So I would preempt that by being a dick. Sounds familiar. Right. <laughs> What I so so that's what I mean by shutting up. It's like don't say the thing that's you know what's going to happen. Yeah, you know, take a walk, suck it up. You know, try not to stew and uh, eat something. Eat something. Start there. <laughs> Start there. There's a couple things that you should try first. What do you got? Well, one of, one of them. I mean, the one that I want to say is is inappropriate to say. We just met, but if the microphones weren't here, I'd tell you what it is. Oh, really? Oh yeah, of course. <laughs> well, yeah. Well, that's right when things are about to get shitty. It's that's the time. Try it. That's foreplay. Try it. Hey, we're fighting. <laughs> or, 
Well, that's like that's gotten pretty weird too. Like with me, because like a lot of times when you're, I'm at the most intimate place there, and I start going, I start picking. You know, like mm-hmm. what did you? What happened this morning? You know, like you're in bed, mm-hmm. and you should be like, and it feels intimate. So then I start like. Ugh. And I start picking a fight. And uh, she said to me, she said, I, I get it. This is your foreplay. And I'm like, I wish it was she healthier. Great. I know. But I wish it was she more healthy. really Why awesome. can't we have regular foreplay? Why, <laughs> why, why does foreplay have to involve me almost making you cry? Trust deeper. You're going to get there. But the other thing I was going to say, one of the, it was great advice that I got, yeah. which was you, uh, you set your timer. 12 minutes and you write everything that's on your mind just everything you just get it out oh my god and at the end of 12 minutes yeah you burn it oh really yeah. that's like that's almost like a, a magical ritual yeah it is actually and there's something so wonderful about all this stuff that was literally weighing you down keeping you you couldn't see straight you're ready to be mean to the people you love you're ready to forget who you are you're yeah. really like on the edge and yeah. all of a sudden it's smoke and ash Hmm. In a moment, that works. It works for me, great. Really? Yeah. So how? <laughs> so I have to say though, sometimes I'll be on set and I feel myself working up, and I have to go outside and the paparazzi's there, and I have to find a way to burn paper, burn paper. <laughs> without getting photographed right, and right. having people make up weird stories. Yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> the tabloids are like, "What is she up what to? What is that witch what up is she to? Burning <laughs> my feelings, okay? <laughs> I can't eat them. I'm on set." <laughs> That's a, it's hard not to eat on set. Holy shit. That was one of the things I loved about this movie because I was pregnant. I was like, it all works. Yeah, where's craft services? <laughs> oh, man. I ate more than the boys on this one. That's good. more than the gaffers more, and the camera yeah. guys? Oh, all of them. Wow. Great. Good for the you. last time I had the, this much fun on a set eating was Rachel getting married because my character, I decided, only ate white things. Oh, yeah. And I just ate carbs and carbs and carbs and carbs. It was so much fun. Well, where did that that come from? That like those. Let's talk about that because you're an actress, and you're uh, a great one. When did you start doing that? Acting. Uh, Well, I mean, I want my mom's uh, an actress. She's a wonderful actress and an extraordinarily lovable one. Mm -hmm. And so I grew up watching her do it on stage. Yeah. So I knew that it was something that you you know could do and i knew yeah. that occasionally there would be kids in her show yeah. shows and so i would i would ask my parents can i can i do that yeah so they like signed me up for lessons and i uh in new jersey there's this theater maybe you actually even know it i don't the, know the paper mill playhouse i don't i don't think so i think i was out before okay. And there was a wonderful woman there who's since passed but just changed my life. And her name was Mickey McNanny. Yeah. And she was just exactly the teacher that you want to have yeah. when you're like a slightly too loud, slightly too energetic kid. Yeah. Um, and, you know, I, 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 I was in her class for a long time. I did uh, the theater camp that she had during the summer. And then the Paper Mill Playhouse. How uh, old were you? At that point, that was probably from like nine until about 12. Yeah. And then um, and, I, and I'd taken dancing lessons since I was little. Uh, and then I got asked to be an extra in a production of Gigi with Gavin McLeod from The Gavin Love McLeod, Boat sure, and Lillian Montevecchi. From, from Mary Tyler Moore show. Yeah, yeah. And, uh, and that was fun. And then I got to audition for another show they were doing and I got like the tiniest part you could have in it. Yeah. And, uh, and one night I got to go on in one of the roles I understudied and that was pretty cool. And there were a lot of other kids in the, in the show and uh, some of them had agents. Yeah. And so I reached out to those agents when I was about 13. On yeah, your own? Yeah, about 13, 14. Yeah, actually. Um, <laughs> Who's representing you? It's a real conversation theater kids have. And so, um, and I reached out and a couple of them yeah. called me and I went and I met with them and one of them 
uh, said, let's do a trial period. Uh-huh. And I booked my fourth audition and then didn't book like the next 150. <laughs> but I had booked one, so they kept me on. So you got hip to the rejection process. Oh, really early, yeah. And it yeah. didn't crush you all the time. You no, knew it I was mean, part of it. Here's the thing. It's it's not about whether or not you get crushed. It's yeah. about whether or not you stand up again. So mm-hmm. I got crushed a lot. And sometimes, I mean, my mom, I think, told People Magazine or something, a story about me sobbing on the floor when I was 15 years old because I'd gotten like my 90th rejection in a row. And um, Tara Lipinski had just won gold and we were the same age. Uh-huh. And, I, and I and I was just like, see, other people are accomplishing things at a high level. Uh, um, so you're a real perfectionist. <laughs> I used to be, not anymore. All right, so let's go back to where you get cast in The Princess Diaries, if we can. Okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. So you're a kid, 90 rejections, things aren't going well. More than than 90, that was just a, that was a streak. Uh, And then, uh, yeah, and then I, 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 I took an acting class at the Barrow, at the Barrow Group. What is Um, that? The Barrow Group is a wonderful off-off-Broadway theater company in New York that my mom had taken a class at. Um, she, when I was about three, had done a production at Summerstock of, of uh, Evita. Yeah. She, she was the matinee Ava. Mm-hmm. She's fantastic. I still have a, a VHS of it. I just don't have a, a player. And both your um, folks are still <laughs> with us? They are, yeah. They are. They're still with us. They're still married. Wow. Um, they're still really fun. Oh, that's great. <laughs> and so uh, and so, one of the dancers in the show, yeah. an, a, an amazing actress by the name of Lee Brock, yeah. Uh, she and my mom had recently reconnected and said, you know, my husband and I have started this this acting school. And my mom said, well, I want, I want to take a class. And um, and so she went to the class and just raved about it. Yeah. And I had been trying to find uh, an acting class and I, I wasn't having much luck. And my mom mentioned it to, to Lee and said, Annie really likes the sound of your class. Can she come? And Lee was like, oh, we don't really accept teenagers. She How has, old were you? At the time I was 15. Okay. And she said, we really don't take teenagers. Um, and my mom, you know, was so great. She's like, oh, she's really mature. You won't even notice her age. And they, and I think as a courtesy, they let me audition. And I worked really hard. And um, they, I think they saw something uh, in the raw material. And I got to join an adult acting class. And yeah. it was not, not for like adult actors uh, in the porn way. Yeah. But just, anyway, that sounded weird. So, um, so, but with real adult acting people, professionals in New York. Uh, I don't think anyone would have thought that. I, my you, brain goes there. I didn't even think about permanently that. Permanently 13 yeah. Yeah. and male. Um, so, my, uh, so I was in this class with these unbelievable actors and after I did that, I felt like I, I had taken a kind of a leap forward and I went to my agent who I'd been with at this point for a few years and I said, I, I think I'd like to, to do movies. Like, I think I'd like to start auditioning for movies. I see other girls my age in them. And... Did you learn anything in that acting class that you still use? Oh my God, yeah, absolutely. Like what? Okay, one of the ones is if you have uh, something where it's a bunch of like adjectives or or just a, or, 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 or I'm just describing objects in a room, yeah. imagine them like a grocery list. So okay. people try to imbue each one with feeling, but if they're just objects, you know, you're just, right. you're doing it most of the time, you're thinking of something else. The other one, which is so helpful, is when you find yourself acting, like you find yourself aware that you're performing, yeah. just stop have a conversation. And when you feel like you're actually talking to somebody, say your line. When you feel yourself actually relaxed enough, then you just slip into it and you bring the whole thing down to the level of reality. So this is when you're you're working on it, not in the middle of a play. No, you can't really do it in the middle <laughs> of a play. Or in the middle of a movie scene. You could but, even do another take. But, but he, one of the things that our teacher, Seth Barish, yeah. um, who's, who's Lee's husband, uh, Why do I know that name? Is that a name? He's an a- he's an actor. Okay. He's 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 an actor in New York. You've pr- you've seen it. If you showed you'd face, you'd be like that guy. Yeah. Um. 
he and God, he's and he's such a good director too. And uh, I, I remember him telling us the most exciting thing that happens on stage is usually when an actor forgets a line. Yeah. Suddenly everyone's right back in the moment and nobody knows what's about to happen, yeah. including the actors themselves. And that's the moment when great stuff happens. Right. So I'm going to sidetrack for a second. My mom was in a production at the Bauer Group Yeah. Um, uh, called uh, Sonnets for an Old Century. Yeah. And there was this, she had a monologue in it and she was there. And one night she went up on her lines and she couldn't remember what the next line was. And she just remembered that thing about don't panic everyone's going to switch on everything's going to be fine and so she just held it and looked around the room looked around the room she said it's going to come I know it's going to come and <laughs> she said and I'm not going to do anything until it does and just stood there and right when the audience like started to be like what is going on yeah. she remembered the line which was I like to take my time <laughs> and she used it and she, she used it in the performance from that point on so those so, two things uh, so, yeah. so I said I'd like to do movies yeah. my agent said I don't think you're ready for that uh, but uh, maybe you should go to LA for pilot season and I said what's that yeah. and she said okay maybe don't go to LA you're a little green but anything that comes through New York we're going to have you audition for and one of the things I auditioned for was a show called Get Real and I got it and I got on t- they asked me to come out to Los Angeles it was the second time in my life I was on an airplane Yeah. the first time had been when I went to Disneyland uh, World when I was nine right and uh, and I got uh, the part, and I lived in L.A. for a year, and then went. Did home. your mom come out with you? Uh, no, my older brother came out with me for the first few months, and then my mom, my dad, and my aunt took turns, and they would one would come out for two weeks. But um, in hindsight, we all think that's insane. Yeah, <laughs> someone should have been here. Yeah. yeah. So, well, we were we were out of respect for my younger brother, who was who was you know quite young at the time. I think he was like eleven, twelve. Yeah. Um, it would have been really disruptive to have moved the entire family sure. out here for my dream. We also we got picked up for thirteen episodes initially, and we never we never had good ratings, so we never knew how comfortable we could get. Right. So, given the givens, I, I know why we made the choice, but just in hindsight, knowing what we know now, knowing how tough that time was, um, I don't think we would make that decision again. Well, what what happened for you out here in L.A. in terms of like it's weird to me that already at that point, I mean, you're younger than me, but like already that uh, an acting coach could tell you you're too green to go out for pilot season if you don't know what it is and you're 15 that you're around <laughs> you know that like you should be jaded and you should know about this and mm-hmm. but when you came out here what was your experience in hollywood i mean well i was a senior in high school um when when the show got picked up so i came out here i guess it was like spring break of my junior year yeah. and then i got picked up and i i came out here senior year and um, I had a, a private tutor. Sure. And I, I'd been a you know an okay student, like pretty pretty average yeah. up to that point. And something about this teacher, whose name was Buzzy Gonyi, just opened, just unlocked something. Yeah. And suddenly, I could do things that I just wasn't able to do back yeah. home. I could speak other languages. I could you know uh, remember details about art. I just my she the way she taught me revealed to me that I actually had a good brain before that I didn't really under, think was, I was it smart. a confidence thing, a fear thing, or what? I just think it. I, I, I Natural don't, evolution. I think all of the above, yeah. and yeah. I th- and I think just having someone. I just think it was a great. It was a great privileged gift to be able to learn at the pace that I wanted to learn at, which was to say uneven. Some things I got right away. Other things I got way slower than everybody else. And to have somebody who got to know me and got to work with me yeah. on that. Um, and she just. I mean, she was so cool. Like. You know, some, sometimes like if I had a day off from, from shooting, because what I did most of the time was work. Um, but if I had a day off from shooting, we would go to a museum and we would just exhaust the museum. And then yeah. we would read all about the artists in that period. And it was so cool. 
Um, anyway, the show ended. Um, I went home for the last like six weeks of my senior year. Yeah. Uh, I went on a couple auditions. One of them was a, a for a film called The Other Side of Heaven, which shot in New Zealand. I had a 24-hour stopover in Los Angeles, and I auditioned for The Princess Diaries. So you got cast in that New Zealand movie, and you auditioned for The Princess Diaries. Yeah. And you got it. And I got it. And that was a big deal. It was a big effing deal, man. That it was, was a really big deal. That was the big break. It, yeah, it was. That yeah. was the, the really, really, it was unusual. If nothing else had happened to me, I would have had a great career. Because that was like one of those huge, like Harry, Harry Potter level things, wasn't it? I mean, not quite Harry Potter. No, but, but I mean, at that time, it had a big impact it, on. It was a sleeper. Yeah. It was a sleeper and people were shocked at how well it did. And 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 from my experience, it endures. I mean, there's a lot, for me, I work with someone, they have kids, and then yeah. all of a sudden they have a daughter who turns seven, and it's a whole new thing. Yeah. And suddenly, like, I come into focus, and I was just, like, another adult to their kid, and all of a sudden I'm something else. Yeah. And I like that, like, The Princess Diaries is sort of like, you know, it's in the, the movie uh, for sleepovers. Right. It's in the canon. <laughs> yes. In the little girl canon. It's so in the little girl canon. So that starts it, and I got, obviously we can't go movie to movie. Okay, I got a question. Okay. I just saw this on the way over from wherever I was, from RuPaul's place, yeah, from the, where he does his uh I'm so podcast. jealous you were with RuPaul. You can go do a show. I'm going to go. I'm going to go he would right, be right thrilled. from here. I love him He, he would be thrilled so to much. have you on his podcast. Are you kidding? Most fabulous. Yeah. He, well, yeah, I think he is in the dictionary under the most fabulous. <laughs> I think so. <laughs> <laughs> but, okay, this is just a weird question because I, I don't know. Sometimes I miss things in movies. In Brokeback Mountain, mm-hmm. did you have him killed? Oh, you've asked the question I swore I would never answer. Can I tell you a story? Someone else has asked it, though, damn it. Oprah. Oh, interesting. So, oh, um, that's good company. That's so good he- company. Here's what happened. So yeah. Oprah, so um, Brokeback Mountain comes out, and, you know, it's this little mini phenomenon. Yeah. Um, and Heath, God rest his soul, and Michelle and Jake, mm. they're just getting all the attention they deserve. And... I'm there too. And somehow I'm just sort of being brought to every press thing. I think they're hoping, I don't know, that little girl. I love come your to character. I grew up Thank in New Mexico. You. Thank you very much. It was very and familiar to me somehow. It, it just became very clear that like they were the top tier yeah. and I was sort of like an, not quite there. Yeah. But I still was going around doing all this press, but there wasn't much to talk to right. me about. Yeah. Um, so, anyway, so we all go on Oprah, which is like just a thrill, yeah. as I'm sure you can imagine. And um, we go on the show and Oprah asks me a question and I'm like, oh, okay, I guess that's my turn to talk. But it, I didn't understand the question. It, then it turned out it was meant for Michelle. Oh. And so it's just like, I'm just sitting there. I'm like, I have nothing to do. I'm just occupying space. Oh, that, come on. Yeah. So then Oprah turns and she says to me, you know, uh, so did Lorene know? Did she know that Jack was gay? And it's Oprah. And I've sw- sworn to myself, this is why you can never be too rigid about anything, that I'm not going to answer this question. But it's Oprah, so I want to answer yeah. the question. But um, And Ang Lee, we had just done a, a Q&A, and someone had asked him that. And he said, well, you know, I think it's obvious, but I don't think it has to be stated. And I was like, I'm just going to borrow Ang Lee's answer. Sure. The thing is, though, when Ang Lee says it, it's different than when 21-year-old Anne Hathaway says it. So I say it, and I offend Oprah. I offend she, her. She, she goes, say? oh, Oh, is it obvious, oh. Anne? It's obvious. <laughs> so I'm just not getting it. Like, it's obvious to everyone here. She turns to the oh audience. Oh, my God. And she's like, so everyone else gets it. And I'm like, oh, no, no. I literally had one thing to do here, and I did <laughs> up. You offended oh, Oprah. My, 
and and so I just like kind of was like I can't believe it, and I just said I'm so sorry. My mother wants to kill me right now yeah. that I was disrespectful to you. Right. And I later found out that um, a director that I was dying to work with uh, decided he didn't like me <laughs> because, because of that, of that. interview. You were just trying to to be. Um, I was just trying to like do the right thing uh, for the movie and for my character, and I was just trying. Yeah, I was just trying to be cool. So she knew. I should never do. She knew. I can't answer that. If I didn't tell Oprah, no, no offense, it's Mark time Mary. has come. Time has come, and it's time to let this thing go <laughs> and to correct your. You know, it's an opportunity for you to grow as a person. Is it? Yeah, this because is an you, you lied to Oprah. <laughs> you condescended. How, I Oprah. did condescend. And as an ab- to Oprah, yeah. my God, right. my God, and what I'm, is wrong with my inner compass? And let me tell you something. If if Ooh. this is the biggest thing that we're going to break. <laughs> <laughs> on, on this show is if this is like it's it's not like people are like oh my god run to the presses mm-hmm. the discussion was had though you knew as a character Ang said to you look what Ang said to me was she's a predator that's and it that was one of the biggest character notes he gave me and I just sort of ran with that um we never, Ang and I never had an overt discussion about what it was. And so what I did was I did some takes where I knew and I did some takes that I didn't know. And I saw both of those in the movie. Okay. So that's. Is that, that's, is that I, an acceptable answer? It seems honest. You know, like I, 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 I also am seeing the way you're, you're I, I think that you probably had the same tone when you answered Oprah. Oh, no. <laughs> like 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 I'm slightly better than you because you want to know and you won't just let it be. Well, it's not like, oh, oh. sorry, that's awful. No, God. it's not. It's not. Well, it's not that. Hey, hey, look, it was a it was a question I thought driving over here. I, I didn't mm-hmm. lose sleep for two weeks. Like I'm, I'm going to get this out of her. This is the big. This is the, this is this the is whole the podcast. Drop, man. This is it. Okay, well I can live with that now. Thank you. Um, I can't. You can't. Well, I what can't. are you going to go it's home and you're going to be itself? I condescended Oprah. I condescended Mark Maron. No, I don't think you condescended me. I, I think I believe what you're saying. Thank you. Good. So <laughs> it, it still leaves it unanswered, but you know, now it's just more of a puzzle. Mm-hmm. Like if anybody really wants to, they're like I'm going to go back and watch that movie and figure out which takes she knew and which takes she didn't. And also, the point is, you know, that that stands that the point is that he neither of them got to live a life that made them. No, I, I get the point of the movie, but your character. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not. That's not what we're talking about. You can't. There's no bat. There's no way to brush it under the. Yeah, you're right. But uh, I'll take it. So here's a. I'll do. I'll admit some more things to you. Okay. Um, I've probably seen Devil Wears Prada like seven times. For some reason, I love the movie, mm-hmm. and I love your dynamic with her. And like, it's a it's a guilty pleasure. I I don't seek it out. I don't have a copy that I'm like it's that night. You know. Like, <laughs> Bad day at work. Yeah, Let's gonna... pop it in. <laughs> well, no, you said you have Apple TV, so click the button. Exactly. But I'll watch it whenever it's on. Thank you. Now, when you knew you were going to work with Merle Streep, what, what was the first, the gut, the first, when, it, the, the day you heard you were going to do it, what was your first feeling? I just, I remember, I mean, I uh, knew, I, so I had been the studio's choice yeah. before Merle was on board. And this is, this is some real... This stuff. is a real dirt. This is real. This is real dirt. Yeah. When they got Merrill, they yeah. they thought they could do better than me. 
Oh, really? So I fell down on the list, and they went to a lot of girls before me. And for some reason- Did you know those the girls they went to? Personally or their names? Their names. I knew their names. How do you get that information in that situation? I, well, and sometimes I ask, sometimes I've, I've learned I actually don't want to know anymore. Yeah. But in that case, I, 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 I was just like, well, who are they going to now? Yeah. Oh, God, she's great. And for some reason, and I think, and this is, you know, one of the Definitely things- Definitely not a predator in real life. <laughs> Oh, that's that makes sense. Oh, I'm she, not good. She enough. would be good. Um, <laughs> yeah. And for whatever reason, and and I and I don't want to use words like fate. Yeah. They all said no to this fantastic part. They yeah. just And uh, the opportunity to work with Meryl Streep, and there's no. I mean, it doesn't make any sense. Mm-hmm. And I was like number seven or eight on the list. Like it got turned down by a lot of people, and I was there waiting, you know, just with my hand up. And so when I found out that it was actually going to happen, I mean, I was I was beside myself. I remember I was getting dressed and I wasn't wearing pants. <laughs> ready to go. And my fr- I was ready to go out with my friends. And I just ran out, like my shirt half off, not wearing pants. To my And I screamed. I'm like, I got it. I'm going to be in the Deborah's Prada. Where was paparazzi that day? <laughs> they didn't care about me at that point. <laughs> oh. <laughs> um, and so it was just, it was just so... It was just so happy. And then um, a couple weeks later, I met Emily. And I just, you know, when you just meet someone, you're like, whoa, you're going to be really important to my life. I don't know how. And I met my husband through her, like, many, many years later. Through Emily? Yeah. Mm-hmm. And um, and then I met Meryl. And she was just so, um, I mean, for lack of a more interesting word, she's just a real living, breathing human. Yeah. You know, she's so alive and yeah. switched on and I know Mike Nichols once described her as like an irrepressible spring. Yeah. And she's just I mean she's all of those things and she's so smart and she just lives her life so in the moment. She's so playful. But what how did you feel as an actress? I mean, I, I I don't know. You didn't think about it. How do you how do you feel in that moment? What don't you feel in that moment? I well, was I What was were you looking forward to? Just seeing being around her. See, I, I was really looking forward to to seeing the the cogs if there were any. That's you what know? I'm wondering. Yeah, and um and I remember doing the read through and and at that, it, the, so we talked about my acting class and the first thing that my teacher had me do, um which was you know so painful. Uh, I, I thought I knew what acting was, and yeah. acting was like being really big and shouting your lines and being very theatrical. Yeah, and that comes very easily to me, unfortunately. And uh, he had not me, in, a mu- in, in musical. It's a good thing to have in in a musical in a big theater. It's a great thing to have. It's uh-huh. just not appropriate for every scenario, right. as I have learned. Yeah. Um, and so he had me say the first line probably like twenty five times until I just didn't know what to do and was so broken down that I just spoke it. And he's like, "Great, there you go. Now do the whole scene like that." And I was just baffled by the whole thing. And so um, when I get nervous, some of the bigness uh, kind of just comes yeah. comes in. And so we'd been. And I was really nervous at the read through. And so the bigness has come in, and we're all like, you know, it's a read-through, it's this, no one's expecting anything great. Yeah. And then Meryl just whispers the first line as Miranda, which I had thought she was going to, I mean, in my lack of imagination, lack of experience uh, self, I just thought she was going to play it like barking and do this and do yeah, that. And, right. You know, and the fact that she whispered. Yeah. And everyone in the room got silent, still, and we all leaned forward. Uh-huh. It was just, I don't think I'll ever forget it. Yeah. I mean, it was just, and I just thought, Oh, brilliant. <laughs> and suddenly everyone got like 90% better in yeah. their acting. And um and I just and then she cared so much about the look of the characters. She she worked harder than anybody on that movie. Um and it was just I just remember the way she can make everything really still. 
you know, when she when she wants to. And you know that scene where all the makeup's off and yeah, you yeah, find yeah. out that the divorce. I have never seen a crew be more aware that something's about to happen. And everyone worked as quickly as I've ever seen them work, as quietly as I've ever seen them work. Everyone just, nobody wanted to interrupt. And there was just such respect paid her in that moment in, in the way people did their jobs. It was, um, it was unreal. So, and that's, that's the kind of thing you only see if there's nudity, usually. <laughs> no, so there was like, there was oh, this emotional nudity and they yeah. were equally as respectful. Yeah, yeah. And, 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 they, and, and they were. Well, you hope that people will be respectful. I've had it both ways. Uh-huh. Oh, with real nudity? Yeah. Okay. <laughs> I had a really skeevy thing happen to me in my first nude, nude experience. When was that? That was, um, it was a film i yeah it was a film called havoc right um which uh which is notable for being channing tatum's first film okay and there's a scene in it where i sort of pull my bra down and i'm trying to seduce this character it's a very sad scene yeah and i was really scared about it and we'd asked um the 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 whole crew to clear out i had the whole the thing whatever it's called where you you know only the most close set yeah clear set thank you and um i did the first take and i did it and they yell cut, and I look up, and two crew guys had snuck into the upstairs and watched the whole thing. Oh. And I just remember turning and being like, um, there's, there, there's, there's somebody upstairs, and I'm 19 years old. And, yeah. And they just gave me the dirtiest smiles on their way out. It was so horrible. Uh, men. Some some men. Yeah. Some men. Sure. Crew guys. Crew. A couple those, of dirty crew guys. Those dirty crew guys. Yeah, there's, there's some good ones and there's some bad ones. It's not all Julie Andrews songs <laughs> and Meryl Streep scenes. <laughs> <laughs> so I thought you held your own very well in that scene and in that whole movie. But you went back to school. Like you were already a working actress. You decided to go back to college or yeah. go to college. Mm-hmm. To, was that... To because you're like, well, this might not work out. <laughs> or was it because you, what, you did two years at Vassar and then yeah. you switched? Switched to NYU, yeah. Because you were so shit-faced all the time at Vassar. So you had shit-faced. to get, left just to, like, burned all your bridges and embarrassed yourself and you had to go to another college. Because I was so, I, I, I kept left, I kept leaving, so all my friends had graduated. Oh, because you're Poughkeepsie, working. And Poughkeepsie is, yeah, and the truth is, I mean, I, honestly, like, I can't, I, I can't take uh, credit for any kind of, like, oh, I, I wanted to go to college college and improve right. myself i wanted to work i just couldn't get i just wasn't booking jobs i booked the princess diaries and i didn't book anything to follow it up so i went to college i i was not psyched about going and it turned out to be the best thing one of the best things that's ever happened to me and you transferred to a uh, an acting program or no 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 i i was studying i mean i i, I wasn't at bass for long enough to declare a major right but i was going to be um an english major with an emphasis on poetry oh good one of those useful uh degrees i, I did that uh, english emphasis on film studies who's your favorite poet my f- oh well, god like what a question um I when lo- you go to i love Rumi. oh yeah i love ee e. cummings oh yeah um my husband just read me a baudelaire poem the other day that just for that's the first time you heard about baudelaire poem. no 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 I'd, I'd i'd read some but it never it hadn't resonated with me that which way which one um i'm gonna uh, the love of lies oh yeah yeah it's heavy stuff from flowers of evil i guess probably Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, but but when I was at school, my favorite poet was William Blake. Oh, yeah. Did you like his paintings too? Yes. Trippy. Do you have? Do you know that coffee table book, which is the yeah, um, yeah. the illuminated William Blake? Yeah. <gasps> it's so beautiful. He was out there, man. It's like, I, I'm just going to build my own mythology. He was out there. Yeah. In a way that I aspire to be out there, like. Yeah. You want to be Blakeian out there? I mean, I kind of can't now because I have a kid, and <laughs> I have to. <laughs> But in Stay another a little version grounded. of this. <laughs> Stay grounded for the kid. A little bit. That's a lot to ask a kid to take on. I guess what I was coming around to is that like in 
in watching you work with Merle because you're both powerful, great actresses, but it seems like your approach is fundamentally different. Mm-hmm. In that, like, you know, I can't, you know, Merle Streep obviously is this singular thing. Yeah. And, you know, like you said, there's always that, 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 uh, kind of like um, engaged with life thing at the core of all of the work that she does to put these characters together. Mm-hmm. Whereas like, cause like even in picturing that scene is like, I'm always conscious that one thing that you, when you watch Meryl Streep work, you're like, all you're thinking is like, she's really amazing at this. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Like you, you get locked into the character, but then you're like, holy shit, she can do anything. Yeah. But in that scene in particular, which is a good example, where she's stripped down and it is an emotional scene and you've got to know two things that you you shouldn't be there, mm-hmm, right? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And that you have to be there for her in that moment, right? And it just seems to me that for you, like it, you're very present and that, and that particular responsibility emotionally is like you've probably how did you deal with that it just seems to me that you're emotionally present all the time mm-hmm. <laughs> whereas I'm not sure <laughs> she is oh oh I think from what based on my that one time I had with her on the film she she is uh, the, she is emotionally even emotionally with present. when she like when she when the camera stops she she com- she comes out no, well, no, but because what she did was she stayed in character the whole time, okay. and so she was very quiet in between right. takes. But um, but I remember, uh, you know, I, I would just I, I would be so nervous, and I was so young, and I just loved her so much, I couldn't hold my tongue all the time. And so, you know, we we I would I just discovered Nick Drake, and so I wanted to talk to her about Nick Drake, and so she, you know, oh, that's very interesting. And do you want me to bring you a CD in yes, character? That would, be, that would be very <laughs> oh, very that's nice. Funny. <laughs> and so, and then you know I remember this. Uh, you know, huge. I'm a huge. So, but fan you of were Johnson. being you. Yeah, I, and and there was a you know Venn diagram. There's a little bit of overlap. But, 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 there. Yeah, but that's funny though because that <laughs> dynamic is really yeah. kind of played itself out in the movie. But I remember one day we were stuck in traffic together. Um, we were just filming us getting out of a car and we yeah. go around the block and we're stuck in traffic. And it just at a certain point we had to talk. Yeah. Like even if, I think it got to be too much for her. And I started to ask her if she watched The Daily Show and because uh, John Stewart was hosting it at the time and it was you know such an important uh, thing for me. And so I was telling her about it, telling her about it, and um, she's listening and. I think I'm sounding like really smart, like yeah. talking about the Daily Show. Yeah. And then I turned around, like you know, I actually think you know, in this moment, uh, I really think John Stewart is is saving us. Yeah. And I'm just like, oh, I just said something so smart. Yeah. And she goes, hmm. Takes this really long pause. She goes, I think Stephen Colbert is. <laughs> And Colbert had only been on the sh- on the air for a couple weeks, uh, and I hadn't watched the show yet. And I just was like, "Oh, I don't have anything to say to that." So yeah. I just I just shut up. But the way, but in terms of that scene, to to get to your to your original question was, uh, we had shot the scene in the in the hotel, mm-hmm. and I observed the way the crew was, and that level of you know when silence almost has a, a tone. Mm-hmm. I just I remembered that tone, and in that on that day, I intuitively just tried to listen for that tone. Yeah, and it was the right thing to do for the scene, and that tone came back in the car, and this time I knew that's what I want to do. I want to listen to it, and I knew that Andy had come far enough in her journey that she didn't need to shout her feelings anymore. Right. She was in a quiet car with a quiet woman, and she knew that she would be heard at a lower volume, and so that was the choice I made. Oh, it's a good one. Um, I like I, your knife, by the way. 
Oh yeah, thank you. I I I, I don't know where I, I inherited that. It's been around for a while. It's a really good one. I mean, it, it wouldn't be great in a fight because it's kind of hard to get oh, out. Oh, knife fight! How horrible. I know. I liked like, uh, really? I liked the uh, Catwoman. I liked you in that. Thank you very much. I thought it was very theatrical, and you were big, and I, I thought it called for that. Thank you. Way Miz, great. Thank I'm just going to do this thing, I guess. <laughs> now, now, musicals, you like doing them? I do love, I, lo- I really do love them. And that I, was such a big one. That I mean, gosh. Yeah. And uh, it was one my mom did when I was a girl. Oh. I saw my mom play the same part that I played in it. Wow. Yeah. That's nice. Nice thing to have in common. And also, I'll, I'll be honest with you, I've watched The Intern four times. <laughs> really? Yeah. Doesn't it feel like your best pair of sweatpants? You know what, it, what, it, what I'm amazed at? You know, you were great, but like... I don't think people really realize how, what an amazing job he did. Bob De Niro? Yeah. How amazing is he in that movie? I agree it's with like you. It's like one of the best things he's done in 20 I, years. I agree with you. He was such a, so delightful, so, such a pro. And I mean, like, he's Bob De Niro. I didn't have to care. And he cared so oh much. God. And he just, just created this warm, wonderful character. And I could tell, like, he would be sitting in his chair. He would be Bob. They would say, you know, it's time to work. And he would walk 10 steps to his mark. And he would transform into Ben. It was a subtle thing, but it was there every single take. It was really well, oh, Yeah, was he, I thought he built that guy from the inside out. Absolutely. And it was completely different, you know, from anything I've seen from him. Because, mm-hmm. like, he knows how to do comedy now. But that wasn't really a comedy. And there was no menace to that guy you know it, it was really like a stunning thing and he and he was just playing the kind of guy that i love to see yeah you know, he was playing a really a really interesting gentleman someone yeah. who someone who you know was affable but had a definite point where you know i will go no further right on this exactly i like that he had uh, principles yeah there was a lot in there i i don't uh you, you know it's weird because i i always talk uh, highly about that movie and I don't know if that's weird, but it seems like one of those movies that are people like, well, that seems like a like a for regular people or older people who goes to that movie, you know. <laughs> but I was like, it's a good movie. You know, I've had a lot of uh, guys like kind of like big like dudes oh, yeah. who, for lack of a word, like work out, <laughs> yeah. come up to me, yeah. and just be like. I love the intern. Right. I just think you know it's 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 a term you don't hear too much anymore. It's a feel good movie. It's a feel good movie, and also the dynamic of respect between you two. Yeah, is like there's something unique and very touching about it. About not, not just the age gap, but also that you know you're a powerful woman, and he's this guy that's had a life that is not you know uh, is being you know respectful and and not you know overshadowing. But then you know it becomes revealed that there's mm-hmm. a lot to learn. It, you just don't I, you don't see it. And the, and I think the secret strength of that film is its sweetness. And yeah. um and, and sweetness is something that, you know, it's really hard because you get it wrong. It's treacly, it's saccharine, it's right. cloying, it's awful. Yeah. But if you can actually like get like sweetness like nectar, yeah. Ooh, that's the best. That's yeah, my yeah. Yeah, well you're a great movie star. You're so kind. Thank you. And it's been like an <laughs> ego bath for me. Has it? Totally. Oh my god, are you I kidding don't do me? That. I don't do that too often. <laughs> I didn't know how it was gonna go, you know. Well, thanks for all the nice <laughs> things you said about me and my movies. And um and what? I, I don't know. I just like wanna go back in time and give you a hug on Third Avenue. Well you can two thousand and nine. I'll take it. It's great talking to you. <laughs> it's lovely to talk to you. Thank you. She hugged me after. That was, um, I'm sorry, can I, I'll outro. That was, uh, that was me talking to Anne Hathaway. She did hug me after. We took a selfie. Uh, it was a good selfie. I uh, gave her a fancy mug. I, I finally got to talk to her. All right, enough. 
I don't want my girlfriend to get crazy. They get jealous even when things are you know not even possible. WTFPod.com slash tour. Go get the tickets to the things. All right? It's all there. Portland, Madison, Milwaukee. Uh, Minneapolis for the special on the 29th. Two shows. And then Philly and D.C. WTFPod.com slash tour. I'll play some, uh, some guitar. I, I didn't think about it much.